We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We're talking about the Bulls coming off what's absolutely their worst loss of the year. Bulls with a totally flat performance against the Indiana Pacers. Sort of leaves a bad taste in your mouth after what was otherwise a really successful road trip for the Bulls, despite some key injuries. Bulls currently 12 and six overall, uh, slightly behind the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference, one game behind the Nets in the East right now. So the Bulls with the number two seed in the conference. Uh, Bulls continue to look really good. They integrated Kobe White back into the lineup since the last time we talked. Uh, they have another injury to a key player with Alex Caruso uh, missing the Pacers game with a wrist injury. And in general, I think that we continue to sort of see that this team at its best can compete with anyone in the league. But, you know, the Pacers game to me, that was just sort of a schedule loss and uh, something that while it was a really poor effort from the Bulls, I don't think that it's a huge indicator of what we've seen from this team so far or what we're going to see from them in the future. Yeah, uh, I'm upset at myself for not betting Pacers. Uh, was once, Especially once I saw Caruso was out, I figured this was – I believe their seventh game in 10 days, a back-to-back. So they, I think we complained about this four. They go on this five-game road trip. They go three and two, not bad. Should have been four and one. We'll talk about the Blazers game in a bit, but three and two, great considering the circumstances. Uh, And then they come back, they get one day off, and then they go right into a back-to-back against two possible Eastern Conference playoff teams. Knicks, they play just a a tough, physical, grinded-out game that they win. Great job to win that game after it looked like they were kind of faltering. And then they play a back-to-back. The Pacers, they haven't been that great this year, but they have, they're better than I think their record shows. They have a good coach in Rick Carlisle. They're, I think their size, and we saw it in the game, their size is a major problem. So just major, just a, a tough match, a, a tough matchup in general without Vucevic, and then without Crusoe as well, on the second of a back-to-back, seventh game in 10 days. 
Uh, it is not surprising at all. The Bulls were totally flat. Like I didn't think they'd lose by 30, uh, but I, I think it would not, was not surprised that they lost. And you just kind of saw it right from the very start. They had nothing there. They had no juice. Uh, Lonzo had zero points. Zach was kind of just mosing around like DeRozan had one little stretch where he tried to get the bulls back in it in the second quarter. Uh, and then the lead was just the put pages just pushed it back up. So not surprising. I'm not upset at all. I took nothing from that game. I do not really care about that game, which it feels kind of nice to just like, Hey, it happens. You have games like this across the course of a long season. And with this brutal schedule and you got some injuries, like games like that will happen totally just writing it off uh, as long as they don't come out and like lay an egg against the worst team in the league. And one of the worst teams ever so far in the Houston Rockets on Wednesday, just wipe that out of your mouth, flush it down the toilet and, you'll, and it'll be fine. So yeah, not really much to take from that game, uh, but they can't, the, the, I said the Knicks game was great. They went up big. They kind of squandered that away. Then it looked like they were going to lose. They went down six Kobe white and we'll talk about him more kind of helped turn the game in the fourth. They pull it out in the fourth to get that big one. That was huge. The Nuggets win, even without Nicole Jokic, without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. Still, you're ending a road trip in Denver uh, where the Bulls hadn't won in like 15 years to pull that game out is was huge. Uh, and the Blazers game was disappointing for sure. Uh, all the turnovers in the second half and third quarter, they still had a chance to win. They got kind of screwed by the refs, uh, especially on DeRozan's last play, which the NBA ruled should have been a foul. But overall, since the last time we talked about a week ago, the Bulls go two and two with a lot of tough games with these injuries. I can I cannot really complain too much at all. I kind of wanted to start with the Nikola Vucevic update because we actually got one from Billy Donovan yesterday. Vucevic is now in the cardiovascular testing phase of COVID protocol, and he's going to travel with the Bulls to Houston and to Orlando uh, for their next two games. So, or at least to Houston. So uh, really great news for, for the bulls to hopefully be getting Vucevic back pretty soon. Uh, Donovan said that he talked to Vucevic, Vuce is doing great. So uh, I think, you know, we've continued to see how much this team needs Vooch while he's been out. I think, you know, the bulls may have found something in Derek Jones jr. As a backup small ball five, he had another awesome game against the Denver nuggets. We were singing his praises on the last episode of this podcast, and he was incredible against Denver. I mean, the bulls likely don't win that game without the minutes he gave them sick. Dogs. But, uh, you know, to this point, the bulls still really miss Vooch. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he can clear testing and hopefully he can be integrated back into this lineup soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the Pacers game, not that they would have won anyways, I, I don't think, but like the, the Sabonis Turner front court ate the bulls alive. Uh, and just like not, just not having that outlet in the middle of the court uh, when they're, because we're seeing some, we're seeing teams uh, with all these doubles of DeMar on Zach. And when you don't have Vooch in the middle of the lineup to make teams pay like that, it, uh, teams don't feel, they feel emboldened to send those double teams when I mean, like Jones has played pretty well for sure, but he's still undersized. Uh, Tony Bradley just he's had some moments where we again we see why Tony Bradley is a backup five. He's a nice backup five to have, but as your starter, he's just his hands aren't good. His decision making isn't very good. Uh, so again, backup five, Tony Bradley, great starting. Tony Bradley not so great, even though I think the Bulls starters before yesterday, like with Bradley, have actually been pretty good. But still, just like in general, uh, short bursts okay, but. For the long haul, you see just like even with Vucevic shooting poorly, uh, he knows how to make good decisions in the middle of the court with his passing. He can beat you with his shooting when he's not (laughs) bricking everything. Uh, And it'll be great to have him back. Just another weapon to have and just another option to take more pressure off Zach and DeMar. Because, again, 
They've been getting teams have been throwing these hard doubles at him on these when they've been screening at the top of the key, and sometimes even when they're not screening for him. So uh, teams can't do that as much if they have a good Vuce, uh, a good version of Vucevic out there. So it'll be definitely great to get him back out there, hopefully soon. And while he's not back yet, Kobe White is, and Kobe White uh, has played what five games now. His first three games were let let's be fair here; they were pretty brutal. Kobe looked <laughs> yeah. like he was lost, lost. out there. Uh, he was definitely taking a bit to, you know, get comfortable again, playing basketball. And that makes sense. Really? He had an injury at the start of the off season that limited him, uh, you know, from training, from practice. So he had not played any live five on five, real meaningful basketball, uh, during the course of the rehab got thrown into the fire against the Lakers, the Blazers, then Denver looked rough in those games, but we saw, I think, what could be the best version of Kobe White or the version that the Bulls hope to get this year against the Knicks. And in that game, Kobe hit three big threes in the fourth quarter, finished with 14 points. Uh, And I think, you know, while people have sort of speculated about Kobe's place on this team long-term, the roster right now could definitely use a fourth score or, you know, a a fourth score. Yeah. On the, especially coming off the bench, uh, you know you have DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch who are going to be, you know, the the meat and potatoes of the offense. But there's times when the bench units come in, especially when they're missing uh, one of their three stars, where it just seems like this team has no offensive punch and offensive firepower. So someone with Kobe's skill set, I actually think, is a pretty good fit here. The Bulls have more uh, infrastructure around him defensively this season to sort of hide any of the shortcomings he may have on that end. And then offensively, you know, last year he was in a position where he started the year as a starting point guard this year, whole new ball game, right? He's going to be playing almost exclusively off the ball. Uh, you know, you saw him against the Pacers and lineups with DeRozan where he's mostly just spacing the floor. He still doesn't look super comfortable yet with his three point shot. There are times when he's on the floor where I'm like, Kobe, shoot the ball. Like this is, this is why you're it's on your the job. team. Why you were the top 10 pick. This is your yeah. job shoot the ball on these catch and shoots when you get it. But I think he was great in that next game. Uh, I'm not sure if the Bulls win that game without him, given how tense that third quarter was uh, before they started their run in the fourth. So uh, could this be a hint, Jason, of what Kobe White can give the team this year uh, from what we saw in the next game? Yeah, and like he started the next game pretty bad. Uh, there was a turnover. He tried to drive on like a fast break, uh, and he threw up some garbage at totally missed or something like that. I tweeted it after that. Like, man, uh, Kobe White's like unplayable right now, but he basically has to play. They like, they need to, they need to play him. Like, and there was this, all this discourse about like, should Kobe be in the G league to get some reps and like uh, people hunkering down on both sides as always. And like, I, I could kind of see it, but like, I mean, at this point, whatever, he's got to play, he's got to get chemistry with these guys. So like, I'm fine to a degree, as long as, as long as he starts making more consistent progress, like he's got to play. And we saw in the fourth quarter, he made a three. Uh, he clearly got some confidence. He hit two more after that. So, I mean, something about fourth quarters and Kobe White in the Knicks, because remember, was that a couple years ago when he had like right. seven threes in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Uh, oh, didn't quite do that, but still, he definitely helped turn the game back around because the Bulls went down. Like I mentioned, they were up, they were up pretty big and they kind of took their foot off the gas. They were kind of struggling again. Understandable first game back from a long road trip. Uh, third quarter, they go down six. It looks like, oh man, they're going to lose this game. Kobe helps spark them with these made shots and they had a big fourth quarter in general. 
uh, an offense, which was nice to see. Uh, and then Billy gives him the opportunity to start against uh, the Pacers. And I know, every again, almost everyone was terrible against the Pacers. Kobe was very bad against the Pacers. Uh, I don't want to be too harsh on him. Again, thrown back in the starting lineup uh, with – I know he shouldn't really be as tired as the rest of these guys, given he hasn't been playing in that much, but throwing him back to the starting lineup, I wasn't surprised that he was bad. Not the greatest decision-making. He did shoot poorly again. I think he was like two of 10. His shooting percentage uh, through like five games is like 20-some percent. It's been a rough go for it, but you did, as you mentioned, you see like what the ideal version of Kobe White is on this team as that outlet guy who can just chuck threes. Again, going back to the point about Zach and DeMar getting doubled, if, those, if Zach and DeMar are getting doubled, if you're swinging the ball around, Kobe White could be there for open threes. And that's kind of what we saw in that Knicks game where he's just spotting up for threes. If they're trying to take away Zach and DeMar, he gets open shots and he's got to knock him down. He did that in the Knicks game. He hasn't done that in any other games yet. He's just got to get that confidence built back up. Got to get used to just chucking up. When he's open, take him, man. Like, as long as they're catching shoot, like, I don't want, he took a couple, like, really questionable, like, pull ups. Uh, early in the clock like we don't really want that as much but if man if you're if you're just spotting up and you're getting open catch and shoot looks from three be ready to fire him away please hit them at like a if he can get close to 40 percent on those kind of looks that's that's where his value will lie on this bulls team we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So Alex Caruso was the player that Kobe filled in for in his start against the Pacers. Caruso suffered a wrist injury late against the Knicks, taking a charge with five fouls. 
a total Caruso move, right? Absolutely. Like that, like epitomizes him as a player to be able to draw a charge when, you know, if it, the call goes the other way, he's out of the game. Uh, we've always known since, you know, even before he came to the team, but especially watching him through the first almost quarter of this season, that Caruso's impact goes way beyond the numbers. And I think that, you know, potentially we saw that during the Pacers game when Caruso was out, it just seemed like the Bulls energy level collectively took a big hit and they just didn't have the competitive fire. We've seen them have so many other times this year. Caruso very much the tone setter for this team. Right. And the more I think about, you know, just like what he means to this team and uh, historical comparisons for him, I think about Tony Allen on those grit and grind teams that, uh, you know, maybe they didn't have a championship ceiling, but those teams were consistently competitive in the Western Conference and they always had an identity. And Tony Allen's, you know, sort of established the identity for those teams. I think Caruso and Lonzo do that for the Bulls in a lot of ways defensively. And then on the offensive end, you got Zach and DeMar carrying the day. So uh, Bulls looked pretty bad without Caruso, man. And yeah. if anyone doubted the impact he has on this team, because I think he's still averaging like only seven points a game this year. But his impact just goes so far beyond those numbers. You saw that when he wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he ranks sort of the top of the league in steals. He's either first, second. He's 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 up there. Uh, over two per game. Obviously, gets tons of deflections, all that good stuff. And just the general energy level. Have like you said? Yeah. Again, they they might have the same thing might have happened even with him. Just again, it seemed like the the collective as a team just tired. The tired legs were obvious. Lonzo did not look nearly as energized. I mean, the entire team looked bad, but. Uh, Definitely not having Caruso certainly helped. I mean, they were they were late on rotations, sloppy. Pacers were getting a ton of shots, easy shots at the rim, tons of easy three pointers. They were just, it was just a very uncharacteristic game, and I think some of that was probably just again the schedule. But the the downgrade from Alex Caruso to Kobe White on defense is a absolutely it's an absolutely massive gulf, uh, and it's it definitely had an impact on the game. Maybe the Bulls lose yesterday by like ten to fifteen instead of thirty if Alex Caruso plays, but. It's, I mean, it's clear. I mean, just the Bulls had before this game, they, they this this game obviously dropped them a little bit, but the Bulls had a what borderline top five defense before yesterday's game. Uh, they've, I mean, we've seen what Crusoe he's uh, we saw it again against the Knicks. I know Julius Randle went off against the Bulls and at uh, the game the other night, but I think Crusoe did a real decently good job on him, uh, even though he had ended up having a big game, just his ability to guard so many different guys, his ability to guard up. I know he follows a lot, but. Uh, that's that's his thing. He plays physical. He plays aggressive. That he's going to get whistled, but he just wreaks so much havoc out there defensively. And like he said the other guys feed off him. They turn that into offense, and we didn't see any of that against the Pacers. None of the uh, the Bulls got smoked in, tra- in transition, fast break points. None of the turning defense into offense. Just a totally sleepy game. And again, while Crusoe, I don't think changes the actual outcome. Uh, definitely, just can see the clear difference in how they operate defensively without him out there. Yeah, I talked to Crusoe, too, the other day. Yeah, I did a little right. Q&A forum on SPNation.com. You can check that out. Crusoe, super cool to talk to. Uh, we were talking after the Bulls blew that Blazers game. We could probably get into that next, talking about uh, a win that got away from the Bulls. But, uh, yeah, I, I could feel the disgust in his voice coming <laughs> off that Portland loss. Like, at one point, he's like, I was asking him about, you know, Chicago as a potential free agent destination. And he's like, well, I think – you know, me, DeMar Lonzo, we all came here this year because it was a good fit individually for us. 
And like, you're seeing it on the court a little bit, I guess this year, like, no, dude, you're, you were coming to a team that has been a perennial laughing stock of the Eastern conference for the last four years that now is, you know, in position to be one of the top teams of this whole. So uh, I thought that was funny, but expected from Crusoe and he was just cool to talk to in general. So uh, check that out on SBNation.com. He told me that he is, he notices every meme. So if you see any of the Crusoe <laughs> memes floating around, yeah, he said his, uh, his friends back home keep sending those to him. So uh, I guess looking ahead, Jace, Bulls at Houston on Wednesday at Orlando on Friday. First of all, before we look month. ahead, do you want to talk about the Blazers and Nuggets games before looking ahead real quick? Sure. Since, yeah. So the Blazers, I mean, just bring up the Blazers game. Uh, since Caruso was disgusted by it, certainly a, an easy game to be disgusted by. The Bulls, they were stunting on him in the first half. I think Darnell Mayberry tweeted, like, the Blazers look like a team that, like, doesn't want to be here. They were up 20 at one point in the second quarter. The only reason the game was, like, still kind of within reach was the officiating. I thought was an absolute fucking joke that game. Uh, I hate complaining about the officials too much. I find myself complaining about that game way too much, but I mean, there was a massive, I think it was like 18 to four in terms of attempts in the first half. Uh, it did even out in the second half a bit, but then again, I mentioned the DeRozan play uh, late in the game where Nasir Little should have been called for a foul on DeRozan going for a go-ahead jumper. The game was, uh, the play was kind of a mess when he, because he fell down, but I mean, he was fouled. The, the Blazers the next day tweeted out like an alternate angle and like hyping up Nas Little's defense. And and, and you look at it there. and he fouled him like three times. And I was like, oh, well, thanks guys. Thanks for this close up look at this obvious missed call, you complete assholes. But as setting aside the refs, that was just a disappointing game because the Bulls, ha- they had it in the bag. They were clearly the better team in the first half. I think they that game they kind of got a little full of themselves. I think uh, they started to let go of the rope, a uh, famous Tom Thibodeau line, let go of the rope late in the second quarter. And then the third quarter, they had like seven turnovers in the first five minutes of the third quarter. They had a chance there to, if not extend the lead, they could have at least maintained like a 17, 18, 19 point lead. If they just, instead of turning it over seven times, they turn it over two or three times. Maybe they score a couple other times. You maintain that lead. And if you're up double digits going the fourth, they probably win that game. Uh, but just a ton of just sloppy turnovers. Zach Demar, super uncharacteristic for him. Uh, like I said, I think they just kind of took the foot off the gas. They they sensed, I think, kind of what Darnell did. Like this Blazers team, like doesn't seem like they want to be here, and they just kind of figured that they could cruise to a win. The Blazers turned up the heat. The Bulls kind of fell asleep. He turned the ball over seven times in five minutes. I think ten for the quarter. And that's how you end up falling behind. They did make a nice push there at the end to get back in it to put themselves in a position to possibly win. Zach had some big shots. Lonzo had some really nice aggressive drives and finishes. Uh, but that's a game where they, they just let go of the rope. Uh, again, what what Tom Thibodeau used to always say when they would blow leads like that. So definitely, especially coming off that Clippers Lakers game, like they had so the vibes were so good. And then to go to look like they were again gonna win again, win going away, falling apart there was definitely super disappointing. Like I got over it. Like Blazers are, have been really good at home. They're starting to play much better in general. Get, comebacks happen, blown leads happen, but the way the way that they did blow it, which is kind of really frustrating, because it's not like the Blazers like they, the Blazers did kind of catch fire, but when you lose it by turning the ball over too much and just being lazy, like that, that's when it's super frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I have I felt like the Bulls outplayed the Blazers thoroughly in that game. I have no doubt that the Bulls are a better team than the Blazers already. Even though coming into the year, most people probably would have said Portland is a better team than the Bulls. <laughs> 
I already feel convinced that the Bulls are better than them after what we've seen this year. What killed them in that game, several things, like you were mentioning the turnovers and the sloppy play, uh, pick and pop big men. We saw be the Bulls kryptonite once again. That's something that has been a trend for the Bulls over the last couple of years. Uh, Larry Nance came in, hit a couple threes for Portland. He gave them some really nice minutes. Uh, I thought Norm Powell got hot late. And then, you know, there were a couple times late in the fourth quarter. I'd have to go back and rewatch this film. But this is what I remember from watching it live is that the Bulls went under on a couple Lillard screens. And Lillard has had a pretty tough year in that game. I mean, him and McConnell or him and uh, McCollum, I'm sorry, were totally shut down in the first half. by Yeah, Bulls had him in hell. But then in the second half, they started to get it going a little bit. And I think there were a couple times late in that fourth quarter where the Bulls were going under on Dame's pick and rolls and Lillard was just bombing from three. And, you know, he had a bad game, but he still hit a couple late. And I feel like every time Dame sees a defender go under, he's going to shoot. So uh, even if he's struggling, like you have to respect him as one of the best shooters of this generation, which means he's one of the best shooters of all time. And, uh, you know, you you can't go under a screen on him. So that was a tough loss for the Bulls. And while I totally agree with you that those games happen, uh, is it too early, Jason, for me to be like looking at the Eastern Conference standings and starting to figure out where the Bulls sort of slot in? I think like as of today, when we're recording this podcast, Bulls 12 and six, number two seed in the East behind only Brooklyn. So as I like project this thing forward a little bit, not to get ahead of ourselves, you definitely don't want the Nets and the Bucks to be the one, two, right? <laughs> because then they're going to be on a collision course for the Eastern Conference Finals. You're going to have to go through one of those two teams. The formula for making a deep run through the playoffs is probably to get those two teams matched up against each other in the second round. And we saw like uh, a team like the Hawks benefit from that last year. Uh, so... I don't know. I think that like games like that one against Portland, when you're up 20 in the second quarter, when you seem like you're definitely the better team, I just worry that that could stick with us a little bit <laughs> when the playoff picture starts to shake out. I'm saying this on November 23rd. <laughs> There's a ton of time to go, but you know, already Brooklyn, which has ultimately been like pretty disappointing to start the year when they were viewed as the heavy favorite. I mean, they're 13 and five, right. <laughs> so they're really good still. Yeah. The Bucks basically haven't had their team for the vast majority of the season. Obviously they have the very short off season that we've been paying over because holiday and Middleton both played in the Olympics. They're 10 and eight. Grayson Allen's like one of the best role players in the league (laughs) right now out of nowhere, you know, that Milwaukee is going to come up, right? Like I have no doubt that Milwaukee is for sure. hundred percent. As long as Giannis is healthy, they're coming. Exactly. So, I just worry about that a little bit now. And it's funny because it's only the end of November or the middle of November when that game happened. But it's like, yeah, like seating matters. And those are the games that you got to put away. So I'm hoping that like that's not going to be something that's, uh, you know, going to be in the cards for the Bulls in the future. We've seen them be so good in the fourth quarters throughout this year. One of the best fourth quarter teams in the NBA. So I don't think that like, uh, we have to worry about them taking their foot off the gas too much, but it cost them against Portland. Yeah. I mean, I guess like if we are going to look way ahead like that, like, I don't think the bulls are going to get the one seat here, but uh, like, I guess you're hoping that like Nets, bucks, two, three heat, one seed bulls, four seed. So the bulls beat whoever's the five. 
and then you can beat Miami. Like I feel like the Heat are much more beatable in a series than the Nets or Bucks, right? Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. So I think that I feel like that is what you're kind of hoping for. Uh, but I guess I don't know, like if we'll see if the Heat are able to be like that good in the regular season as well. I think the Heat are they have the same record as the Bulls, so they twelve and five or twelve and six as well. There's something like that. They're right. Yeah, they're right there. Right like now. I think I maybe that's. I mean, ideally the Bulls are the one seed. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I know. I mean, they do have like once we get past. Uh, I mean, again, they got a couple easier games coming up, but I think like looking at like the rest of the season, like strength of schedule, I think the Bulls are towards like the easiest. Uh, I mean, so maybe they could make a push for the one seed, but that'll obviously that's obviously maybe a little wishful thinking, but definitely don't want to be playing the Bucks or Nets in second. That's obviously way down the road, though. Let's uh, uh, we talk about this Nuggets game. Yeah, Nuggets game. Then we can wrap. We're talking about this. Yeah, the schedule being tough for the Bulls and Denver is always a super hard place to play, especially when you're an Eastern Conference team only feeling that Denver altitude like once all year. Uh, that's always a tough game. And at the end of a road trip, too. <laughs> But the Bulls got a gift Yes, <laughs> the day of the game when Nikola Jokic, who is having an insanely good season, the reigning MVP, who is pretty much putting up better numbers than he did last year yeah. when he was on the board, he was out for this game. So Denver goes small. Jeff Green at center. Uh, the Bulls had to go against the game of Aaron Gordon's life. Yeah, huge game Aaron, for him. Aaron Gordon goes 10 to 12 from the field, finishes with 28 points. Campazzo was raining threes, <laughs> but the Bulls win, and it was behind DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, as we've seen all year, and Derek Jones Jr. <laughs> and Derek Jones was incredible, going seven one of the dunks of the season, 16 points, a huge dunk. And yeah, at the end of the third quarter, Derek Jones, three straight buckets on the roll. I thought that that sort of like changed the complexion of the game. A little bit for the Bulls. The Bulls outscored Denver 35 to 26 in that third quarter. Uh, and they held on in the fourth. So that was a really feel-good win, I thought. A lot of Bulls fans in Denver. Uh they were making a lot of noise there. That was awesome. Uh, and yeah, so even without Jokic, without Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., who might MPJ might be done for the season with his back stuff, real nasty stuff there. Uh it's still a huge win. Again, I think I think it had been since 2006 or 2005 since the Bulls had won in Denver. They just house of horrors for them. Just a brutal place to play. The end of a road trip, even without the Nuggets, even with the Nuggets missing their stars. They the Nuggets have proven that they can win games without these key guys. I mean, they Will Barton has had a great season. Aaron Gordon, like you said, game of his life. Compazzo was hitting raining threes off the bench. Uh, and the Bulls made enough plays. We saw Zach hit some huge threes. DeRozan closed the game out at the free throw line. Uh, just the steady hand there at the end of games with throws. And he, we saw that in the Knicks game as well. Our guy, Seth, no, who again, we shout out like every podcast did a nice video, uh, just about DeRozan at the end of games. Billy clearly trusts him. And you mentioned this on our last pod that like, so far, this is like DeMar DeRozan's team. Uh, and we've seen it at the end of games. DeRozan is the guy initiating in crunch time for the most part. He's the, that steady hand because he just usually doesn't turn the ball over too much. He can get to the line at will. He makes his free throws. He's shooting almost 90%. The Bulls, again, they are number one in free throw percentage this season by like a wide margin. They're like 85%. He's got DeRozan and Zach can make free throws at the end of games. We saw DeRozan make eight free throws in a row at the end of the Nuggets game after Zach hit some big threes. We saw DeRozan hit free throws at the end of the Knicks game. I think Zach did as well. So that's been huge. So, I mean, DeRozan just has been, has been just awesome. I wrote about him at Forbes this weekend, just 
been worth every penny so far. And again, we've you as I mentioned, you said that it's been his team. Uh, and he's been awesome. Like he's had a few clunker shooting games. Like he kind of fell apart in that Blazers game in the second half, kind of looked tired. The Nuggets game, he didn't have a good shooting game either. But again, he got to the line a ton. He still had like 26 points and was running the offense in crunch time. So huge win there in Denver uh, to close out that road trip. And then to to win that game, and then you win the Knicks game. Huge considering, again, the ridiculous schedule and the fact that they had to play a back-to-back right off this right off that road trip. And you run and you run into the Pacers buzzsaw yesterday. So to get those wins. Those two wins coming off that Blazers letdown was nice because they easily could have had another letdown game. You lose that game to the Blazers, you blow a 20-point lead, you're at the end of a road trip. They could have easily mailed that game in, even against a Nuggets team missing their stars. They didn't. They got the win. They come back. You grind off the Knicks game as well. I think it just kind of shows that they've been how resilient that they've been this season, even though they lost the Pacers game. Throw that one out. All good. Um, and yeah, any other thoughts? We Let's finish up here with a quick look ahead of the schedule. Yeah, let's look ahead of the schedule. I was going to say, like, you're wearing, we're doing this podcast on Zoom, and Jason is wearing the Illini tank top that he often wears. So, Io pretty good in that Denver game, too. I think Io continues to solidify his place. And even though Kobe had the hot shooting night against the Knicks in the fourth quarter, I love to see that from Kobe. But, like, I don't think Io's role on this team is going anywhere. I feel like a terrific job by Billy Donovan sort of realizing from very early in the year that he was going to give them more than Troy Brown was giving them. Uh, You know, Brown got a quick hook from the rotation in favor of IO to go back to the first few games of the season, but Donovan saw IO in training camp. He saw him practice with the team and IO continues to just be like a terrific energy guy off the bench. I always feel his size uh, on the perimeter defensively. So uh, how are you feeling about your boy Io since you're wearing the Illinois shirt? Uh, yeah, I feel better about Io than I do about the actual Illinois basketball team this year. Uh, looking really shitty. I know they have another. They're playing Bruce Weber. Uh, the game that game will be over. Hopefully, they don't lose to Bruce. But that game will be over by the time this podcast is up. But Illinois basketball looking pretty shitty without Io. So testament to how awesome Io was at Illinois, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like he and he again, he like doesn't always like the numbers don't always look good in the score sheet. Doesn't score a lot. The shooting is still a big question mark. But uh, he just makes a lot of hustle plays, a lot of energy stuff. This defense transition, pushing the ball again, it can be out of control sometimes, but again, just as obviously I'm kind of repeating myself, but it's been a nice surprise that he has established himself as a rotation guy. He should stay in the rotation over Troy Brown. He should stay in the rotation with Kobe white back because I mean, when Kobe's not hitting threes, I mean, I'd rather have IO in the game. Uh, Even though IO can't really hit threes either. We know he can make an impact defensively. Uh, So, I mean, so there'll be games where I'm sure like, well, Io might play more if Kobe's struggling. There'll be games where if Kobe's going off, like he'll play more. Uh, Billy Wolf, I think, will find minutes for both those guys, uh, even when when uh, Kobe's like more fully acclimated. Uh, all right, let's look ahead at the schedule. So Wednesday at Houston, Friday at Orlando. Jason, both of those games should be automatic for the Bulls. Uh, Houston is, you know, potentially trending towards being one of the worst teams of all time. 15 in a row, right? They're they're one in 16 right now. They've lost 15 in a row. Yeah. And uh, they're just absolutely brutal. John Wall is basically being paid to stay away from the team. They are super, super young. I questioned the decision at number two overall when they took Jalen Green over Evan Mobley. I was a big Mobley guy at number two. Well, it turns out Mobley should have been the first pick because (laughs) Mobley, you know, has just been so amazing as a rookie. Uh, 
but Houston looks pathetic. And then you got the Orlando Magic. They're four and 14. They can basically only beat the Knicks, but <laughs> the Magic game is going to be interesting. I wonder if Vooch is going to play in that game against his old team. Wendell Carter has been pretty damn good for the Magic this year. He's finally showing some of the offensive skill set that we thought he would have when the Bulls drafted him. I think he's shooting right around 40% from three, averaging a career high in assist percentage. Uh, but that's still a game you got to have against Orlando. So hopefully these can be two easy victories for the Bulls. And then on Saturday, the Heat come to the United Center. I'm super jacked up for that game because, uh, you know, we already talked about potential playoff matchups a little bit, but we haven't seen the Bulls match up with the Heat. And I think that that's going to be a great measuring stick game for them just to see you know how they look matched up against a team they could very well see in the eastern conference playoffs yeah i'm just annoyed that it's another fucking back-to-back like give me give me it off i'll give them a rest day like i know they're playing the magic the night before but still like it's a they are traveling uh back from orlando so like that could be another game where it's like tough legs uh but they gotta they obviously gotta they gotta suck it up uh and the heat are gonna be tough they're physical jimmy is having a Another like right now, I think he's have I think he's got the best number of his career so far. He is still one of the best players in the NBA. Bam is awesome. Tyler Hero has stepped things up again. Duncan Robinson's been a little down with his shooting, but he's still a lights out shooter. They got Kyle Lowry. Uh, so if the Heater, I'm not sure what their injury situation is like right now, but if the Heater at full strength, like that is going to be a big boy matchup. Should be a lot of fun on a weekend at the United Center. So that will definitely be one to look forward to. But can't can't be looking ahead. You got to take care of business against the Rockets. Do not mess around. Go blow them out. Blow out the Magic. Uh, and then you, if you're 14 and six going into that Heat game, that's that's a really nice place to be. All right, I'm not worried at all about the Rockets. I think that they might as well start Devon Dotson, who had like a 30 point <laughs> game over the weekend. Uh, they could start him and still beat Houston. Houston's <laughs> an absolute train wreck right now. The Magic are a little bit feisty. I said that, you know, they've they've basically only beaten the Knicks, but they also beat the Jazz and they beat the Timberwolves. So uh, the Magic have shown some signs of individual improvement on that team this year. Cole Anthony having a big year. Franz Wagner, who they drafted with the pick the Bulls sent them, number eight overall in exchange for Vooch. He's looked really good. So uh, Orlando's got some pieces, I think, even though they're a very young team and they're not like they don't really know how to win yet. Uh, that one could worry me yeah. a little bit if you look past them to the heat game and take your foot off Agreed. the gas. Uh, but yeah, should be another uh, another fun week for the Bulls. Yep, absolutely. I got nothing else. Uh, got any exciting Thanksgiving plans? We got obviously the Bears are here to ruin our Thanksgiving uh, with Andy Dalton versus it seems like Jared Goff's going to play, but either way, it's a terrible match. The bears and the lions both suck. We have some exciting Matt Nagy rumors going on. It's he can get fired or not. But uh, besides the bears ruining Thanksgiving, got any, got any big plans? No, I'm just chilling, going to hang out with my sister. Nice. So that'll be cool. She's hosting Thanksgiving at her house this year. And otherwise it's going to be pretty boring and <laughs> lucky. And yeah, probably just uh, ignore the bears. At least the bears are the early game. Yeah, true. So, you know, yeah. just get it over with. And the Lions haven't won yet this year. That would be kind of fitting for Matt Nagy's last game if right. uh, if the rumors are true and Nagy is fired after Thanksgiving. It would be completely fitting to lose to a Lions team that has been pretty competitive at times this year, but they just can't seem to win. Uh, I don't think this Lions team is 0-17 bad, or I'm sorry, 0-16-1 bad because they do have the tie against the Steelers, but... 
Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears lost that game, right? It would be funny if they did. Oh like, yeah, I mean at this point the Bears are garbage. I think we're yeah, I think we're rooting for like failure at this point. Like they're not going to the playoffs. Uh, Justin Fields is hurt, so it's like whatever. Like I don't have anything against Andy Dalton, but like I don't care if he makes a fool of himself against the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. Like I think the more embarrassing, probably the better. I mean that means probably Matt Nagy definitely gone. Maybe that means Ryan Pace is gone. Although I don't know if that's going to be a for sure thing. It seems like Nagy's probably gone either way, but. Uh, the more embarrassing, the better. So it, at this point in the year, you, you can only really laugh at the Bears, uh, especially after losing a Lamar Jackson-less Ravens team in just hol- hilarious fashion last weekend. So, yeah, maybe instead of them ruining your Sunday, maybe it'll be just a great day if they just make an ass, make asses of themselves, and fire um, Nagy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then maybe, yeah, maybe they'll fire him the next day. Great, great way to go into the weekend, Thanksgiving Day weekend. So, yeah. and and here's your Bulls tie-in here. The fans were chanting "Fire Nagy." Was that at the Knicks game? That was at the Pacers game last night. Bulls down thirty points, so you're bored. There's nothing to cheer about at the, at, at the Bulls game, getting their ass beat by the Pacers. So let's let's just chant "Fire Nagy." And, and he, he's getting fire naggy chance at like his high school son's football game, which is that's a little bit much. I know high school kids will be high school kids. That was a little a little extra. But like, I mean, it's obviously just an untenable situation right now with him. Everyone wants him gone. Uh, it's brutal. But that's it. So, yeah, my Thanksgiving. Well, I'm hosting Thanksgiving this year. Not, we, are, we have our new house, but we're not doing it at our house. We're doing it at our, my in-laws, but we're just helping host. Our house is not ready yet. We still need to add, get so much furniture, but uh should be pretty, should be exciting. Always fun. Eat a lot of food. Uh, and then, then Bulls basketball Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So a lot of Bulls basketball going on this weekend with Thanksgiving coming up. So fun times. Anything else we can wrap this up? We can wrap it up. All right. Uh, as always, from here, cash considerations. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Go check out all the great Blue Wire pods all across the network. There's tons of good ones. We got so much sports going on right now. So uh, go check all that out for us here at Cash. As always, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. L- l- give it, uh, leave us reviews. Let us know how we're doing on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can find Ricky on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. Go check out his uh, Alex Caruso interview at SBNation.com. Oh, that's good stuff. And uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Again, there are three Bulls games coming up the rest of the week. We'll probably, with the holiday coming up, we'll be off for the rest of this week. And we'll we'll be back sometime next week. Uh, So, again, happy Thanksgiving uh, to us here from Cash Considerations. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.